The following audio is from Fellowship Baptist Church in Nederland, Texas. Our mission, to make and mature disciples through the gospel of Jesus Christ. For more information about Fellowship, visit fellowshiptx.org. Well, here we are again uh, for our podcast, our weekly podcast, and uh, what a great Easter it was, minus the wind, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a great day, beautiful day. Um, I'm glad that we moved it from the morning though, because the wind would have been so much worse. Yeah, we broke a couple of guitars, broke a TV, broke a TV. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was the weirdest feeling for me waking up Easter morning and not being at church, right? Yeah, I thought the same thing. Like we we woke up and uh, did the whole gift thing with the kids, and uh, and then typically after that, I'm running out the door to go get ready for church, and mm-hmm. then I just sat there and sat there <laughs> and sat there. Yeah. <laughs> it was like it felt like it was an eternity until it was time to get up yeah. to the church and set up and get ready. I didn't know what to do with myself. It was the weirdest thing. It's first time in 20 years that I haven't been. Yeah. Get rushing, you know, because we've always served and whatnot. Yeah. Our earliest people to the church. But other than that, I thought it was a great day. Great crowd. Yeah, it was a great crowd, and people seemed like they were excited to be at church and yeah. to be able to, uh, you know, be be present and, and worship together. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, yeah. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Uh, I thought your message was great that uh, the resurrection changes everything. Um, I, I love just the account of Jesus coming back to life and mm-hmm. the victory and, and the hope that that brought. Uh, you said the resurrection changes everything. And so when I look at uh, changes as far as our life, you know, how, how should that look in the life of the believer as far as like behavior and lifestyle? Should it change some of that stuff? Because, you know, you talk to some people and they would disagree that you change a whole lot. But, you know, you said the resurrection changes everything. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, Scripture tells us that we are a new creation. So that would tell you that things are going to change. If you're mm-hmm. a new creation, that means you're radically something exactly, you know, completely different than you were before. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that it is it is that behavior and that change in lifestyle and, and who we are that, that allows us to be so effective in evangelism and discipleship in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody would want anything that we had to offer if there wasn't power and change in that right sure. so absolutely if if the resurrection is real and you've put your faith and trust in that then the power of the holy spirit comes and lives inside of you and you're going to look like a radically different person your your cravings and the things that you long for are going to eventually start to wean and change to be more like christ right, right. The bible talks about this process of sanctification where the holy spirit comes in and starts changing who you are as a person. And that starts with your heart mm-hmm. and the things that, that you long for and desire. And those things should start to change, right? If, if Christ becomes king and you're no longer king, then the things that you want start to look different. And so your marriage is going to look different. You know, you're not going to, in your marriage, you're not going to be living for yourself. And so you're going to sacrifice for your spouse. And you may sacrifice expectations that you had before from your spouse Mm. That, that you're not looking for your spouse to fulfill those longing needs anymore. You realize that Christ is alone, Christ alone can fulfill those needs. And so 
you know, you're not going to your spouse for that. You forgive more because you've been forgiven so much. Right. You, uh, you know, you live in righteousness. You, you, you lie less. You, you're not stealing because you're content. I mean, all that starts with heart issues that the Holy Spirit changes. Mm. And then the overflow of that is a radically different lifestyle uh, for the believer. Yeah. So like, um, sometimes I feel it's different because people are going to, you know, people are going to be on different levels of sanctification, obviously. Yeah, 100%. Like uh, when I first got saved, um, a lot changed. You know, I was a drug addict. I was, you know, just the most horrible person in the world, partying all the time and stuff like that. But there was this, when I got saved, there was like this understanding in my soul that that was not to be the person I needed to be anymore. Right. Right. And, uh, sometimes I've talked to some people and I feel like there's this question of whether like, Oh, you mean I can't still do this stuff? I don't understand, you know? Right. And, and I don't get it, but sometimes their process takes a little longer. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they're not genuine, you know? And so, uh, I think too, sometimes people misunderstand that too. Like their view of God is okay. If I come to God, then I have to give up this, 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 and this, Mm. and this, and that's not, the gospel, the gospel is that what Christ has to offer is so much more valuable than the this, 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 and this, right, right. that you no longer desire the this, this, and this. Yeah. You desire Christ and Christ alone because you realize like he is what brings life. He is what sustains you. Mm. And so all that other stuff you don't want. Again, I think we used this example a few weeks ago, but uh, the woman at the well, right? Christ mm-hmm. said, I have some water that's going to cause you to never thirst again. She was trying to fulfill herself with a this, 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 and this. And Christ came and said, no, that's not fulfilling you. I will fulfill you. Mm. And so when we taste of that living water, genuinely taste of that living water, our affection changes. We may still find ourselves, like you said, going back and, and, and going back to the things that we used to fulfill us and and remember again, like that's not fulfilling us, but you'll always go back to, Mm the living water once you've tasted it because you'll realize that's the only thing that brings life. Yeah, I like that point you made about desires. My favorite verse is Psalm 37, 4, and it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Yeah. And so it's tricky because you think, oh, man, I'll get whatever I desire. Mm-hmm. But if you're delighting yourself in the Lord, the mm-hmm. first part of that, your desires are going to change. Right. 100%. I'm not going to want to live for me. I'm not going to want to be a millionaire. I'm not going to want to, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not going to want the red Ferrari. I'm not going to, you know, all this other stuff that comes with my own desires. Yeah. My desires will then change, right? Right. I'm going to want to be a servant for the King and I'm going to want to disciple people and I'm going to want to, you know, live my life in pursuit of Jesus Christ. And those will become my desires without even me knowing Mm -hmm. it. You know, it'll, it'll radically change your outlook. And, and when the Holy spirit comes in, your desires aren't even desires anymore. Yeah, it's like Paul in his life had this radical zeal for the law mm-hmm. and for, and for mm-hmm. you know that kind of stuff. He meets Christ, and that radical zeal is still there, but his affections have changed. He's, right. His affections are no longer for the law. His affections are for Christ mm-hmm. and seeing Christ glorified. And so that same zeal was there, but he put that towards the the things that you know the Holy Spirit came and changed his affections. And now that same zeal is put towards the affections of building Christ's kingdom. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, your last point in the sermon was that resurrection brings about a new power. 
Why do we see so many quote unquote Christians struggle with their faith and the commission that Jesus left the believers if they are to have this power within them? Well, I think number one, the, I think the biggest reason, if I'm honest, is that we have a whole lot of professing Christians that aren't genuine Christians, mm. right? They've they've come to Christ kind of like the people who came to Christ for the meal after he fed the 5,000. They've yeah. come to Christ for what Christ can offer, but they've not come to Christ for Christ. Mm. And so they're not genuine believers. They're just there because they heard a sermon one time that if I say this prayer, that I won't go to hell. And that's what they've come to Christ for, and there's no power in that mm. because that's not what Christ came to do. He came to be your Lord, like you preached a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I don't think that I, th- I don't I think that's the biggest issue is that we have a massive culture of people who are playing Christian because they've grown up there. You know, their grandma brought them to church, and they've grown up in that, mm-hmm. and maybe they they have this complete misunderstanding of what Christianity is. Mm-hmm. And so I think naturally the response to a change, a real regenerate spirit, someone who the Holy Holy Spirit's come in and made you new, there's going to be power in that because the Holy Spirit lives in you. So I think, like I said, the biggest issue is I think there's a lot of professing Christians that aren't really professing Christians. They've come to Christ for the wrong reasons and they're they're living in their own strength. They're still the Lord of their life Mm. and there's no power in that. I do think, too, that there are a lot of real genuine Christians who have come to Christ in real faith and and made him the Lord of their life. And then at different points and times in our life, we start to kind of push God off that throne and Mm -hmm. put ourselves back on the throne in that moment. And there's no power in that either. Right. I mean, Christ on the throne of your life is where power is at. The Holy Spirit is, is going to bless that in your life. And you'll see power when you're seeking the things of God. And and when you're communing with God, we talked about that uh, too. Like you, you have to be communing with God and spending time with God, and then God's spirit's going to move. Mm. But you have to, you have to, you know, depend on that Holy Spirit and not try to do it in your own efforts too. I, that's another thing. Even in our work, I have found myself thinking that if I do X, Y, and Z, mm. then I'm going to see God bless that, and you know, people are going to get saved, and my ministry is going to grow <laughs> yeah. if I have these certain things. And that's not the case either. Like you have to rely on the Holy Spirit and realize that, you know, God's going to give you ideas and, you know, you can execute those ideas, but he ultimately is the one that will bring the fruit. And so you have to depend on that and never get to the point to where you think I'm doing this in my own effort. Hmm. Now, this wasn't one of our questions, but it just came to my mind. How much do you think discipleship plays in that process? A hundred percent. I mean, that's, that's what we've been called to do. That's the mission, right? right? To go and make disciples. If we deviate from that Mm -hmm. and we're trying to do something else, there's no power in that because that's not what God's called us to do. Mm. So if we're living on mission and actually keeping our eyes focused on what we've been called to do, which is making disciples, then there's power in that. You want to see God use you in a powerful way and you want to experience the power of God in your life, Mm -hmm. then start disciple making. Yeah. That's where, that's where the power is at because that's what God's called us to do. Right. He's not called us to build fancy buildings. He's not called us to put together awesome programs. He's not called us to even build attendance in, yeah. in congregations. He's called us to make disciples. Mm. And so if that's our focus, then we're going to see the power of God move. To, and, and we've seen that, right? Oh, here, yeah. been here at Fellowship. We've, we've gotten to see God move in a mighty way 
even over the past few weeks in the midst of all this craziness mm-hmm. that God has been moving and, and we've seen things that don't make sense that but that God is still doing it in, in through through fellowship and in, in the lives of the people of fellowship yeah I was watching this show uh, it's a show that they made about the life of Jesus and although I didn't really agree with everything in the show obviously right. <laughs> we tr- we tend to do that Bible nerds like yeah, yeah. any show out there we're gonna critique so bad right but it's it's uh it reminded me about how how uh diverse the disciples were mm. you know you had the sons of Zebedee who were like the sons of thunder they were ready to rebel and they had joined that group the zealots and mm-hmm. you had Peter who was a hothead and you had Matthew who was like a sinning tax collector and mm-hmm. all these people that you're thinking like man if you know it's like the biggest group of rejects yeah. you could ever find and those are the guys that Jesus sought out and and I started thinking where would they be had they been left alone to figure it out? Because Jesus came, he was the Messiah. They were waiting on the Messiah, you know? And and uh, and yet, how about if Jesus wouldn't have discipled them? How much longer would it have taken than three and a half years for them to figure it all out? Oh, yeah. And so I think sometimes, I guess to answer my own question that I asked you about, you know, why so-called Christians struggle with this stuff is because there can be, even in a good church, there can be lives being saved and then no discipleship whatsoever. I've met people in my ministry who have been saved for years and really not living out the mission mm-hmm. because they were never taught to. Now, yeah. they were doing everything right. They were serving God and they loved God and everything, but there was no mission behind it. Right. And, and uh, a couple of them that I had talked to here recently were like, we were never told about that. You know? Right. We were just never showed that. And, you know, that's sad that you have people who can be genuine Christians and the power of the Holy Spirit living in them. But if they're not discipled, if they're not led in the right way, if they're not taught how to do those things, then they could go for years without really living within that power and struggling right. that kind of way. Right. 100%. So, uh, obviously... We had a big crowd on Easter Sunday. Was not the biggest crowd because we were all in our cars. Um, about half what we would have seen if the building was open. Yeah. Easter's usually our biggest day. We like double in attendance. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, you know, how do we get our people from marginal participation to actively living out the mission of making and maturing disciples like we were just talking about? Well, I think we just talked about it. I think number one is discipleship, Mm -hmm. right? Like teaching people that that's what they've been called to do. Helping people understand that this is what you were saved for. This is what you were reborn for. This is what God has called you to do in your life. You're, you're not an electrician. You're not a, Mm -hmm. a plant, you know, an operator at the plant. You're not a doctor. You're not a lawyer. You are a, disciple maker mm-hmm. and and that is what God has called you to do and he's giving you these outlets in your life to be able to do that and our outlet is through full-time ministry God has called us to to this set apart thing of full-time ministry but everybody that is a believer is called to be disciple makers and so um, viewing life through that lens would radically change the hearts of our people 
Right. And it would radically change our church. You know, we talked about not seeing power in, in, in people's life. You, that's where you see the power is, mm-hmm. is when is when people are sold out to disciple making. And so I think, uh, you know, being intentional about as we, for those of us who understand discipleship, as we reach people, being intentional about, about discipling them and teaching them what their life is now supposed to be for. And then also going back to those people who, like you said, made professions of faith when they were younger and have grown up in church and their lifestyle reflects the Holy Spirit's come in and changed mm-hmm. them and made them new. Sure. They just haven't picked up on the, the vision part of what they're called to be and teaching them how to make disciples too. You know, we, we've been talking for several months now about a vision for intentional discipleship within our church because yeah. um, we don't want to just say, you know what, if you're, if you've grown up in church and you don't understand discipleship and you're not living out the mission, sorry, we got to focus on the new people. Mm -hmm. We don't want to do that. We want to go back to the people who have grown up in church too, but maybe they just haven't been taught what discipleship is and teach them that too. So we've been working on, you know, this, this idea on how to, to be able to organize that because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who need to be taught what discipleship is, that discipleship is not a class. You know, we did the class, the book thing and that was awesome and people learned a lot but that's not discipleship either yeah right i mean right it's a it's, it's a cool thing to for people to learn what the bible is but learning what the bible is is not discipleship yeah discipleship is so much bigger than that and so that was like a step in the right direction for people to kind of like commit to 26 weeks of learning mm-hmm. more about the bible but discipleship is not a program it's mm-hmm. and so it's kind of like a tricky thing where we're trying to organize this, but also we can't make it a program because it's not a program. It's a lifestyle. Right. It's it's someone choosing to take on the resp- the spiritual responsibility of someone else and say, you know what, I've got this person that I know that needs to grow in Christ, and I'm going to invest every Friday night for the foreseeable future with them, build a relationship with them, and show them what it looks like to walk with Je- walk like Jesus. Yeah. I mean, look at Jesus. He spent three years with his disciples, mm. right? And it was a long time before he finally said, you know, he sends them out into the town and says, here's here's what you're going to do. You're going to go out and, and you're going to talk to people. And, and it was a long time before he even got to that point. Yeah. And that was the kind of the testing phase, like go out and do it and then let's come back and talk about it. Mm-hmm. And it's like an assessment phase. It was a long time before he even got to that point. Yeah. And so... Um, I think that a lot of it's going to be that kind of training, like, you know, working with people, teaching them what, what discipleship looks like, and then letting them catch the vision. Because whenever it's something, for so long, church has been all about just coming to church, just come to Sunday, just come to Sunday, just come to Sunday. Mm-hmm. If that is the purpose of church, then why not just yeah. come when you want? Why not be marginal? Mm-hmm. Why not just come on Easter and Christmas? If that's if church is all about a sermon and singing some songs, yeah, then of course <laughs> I get it. I wouldn't come every week either. That'd be boring. Right. I mean, what's the point? I'll, I, I'll come and do that whenever it's convenient for me. Mm-hmm. But if it's about this greater mission mm-hmm. of making and maturing disciples and advancing this gospel throughout the world, and I get to be a part of that, mm-hmm then man, I'm here every Sunday. I'm trying to figure out how do I get involved in that? What, tell me what to do. Tell me how I can, how I can, uh, you know, be intentional about building relationships so I can start to disciple. Right. If, if we make it about the mission and not about the service, 
then people are going to get on board with that. Yeah. Just like they did in the early church. Look how fast it spread in the early church because it was about the mission mm -hmm. and not about attendance or about building buildings or about, you know, any of this stuff that, that we've gotten ourselves focused on in the past 20, 30 years of church world. Right. If we bring it back to the mission of making and maturing disciples, and that's not just something that we say, but that's everything that we do indicates that's really what we believe. Mm -hmm. Then people are going to catch on to that. And when they show up on Easter one year, they're going to be like, wow, this is different. Yeah. Right. I, I need to get in, I need to be involved with this. And they're going to sell out to it because it's real and it's what we were called to do. Yeah. What do you say to the person who may be listening right now and says, I've been a Christian a long time and I've never really, I've never really tried to make disciples or I'm a Christian right now and I hardly ever talk to anybody about Jesus. You know, what do you say to someone like that? I would say to someone like that, that you really need to evaluate what you view Christianity to be. Hmm. If Christianity to you is about morality or about church attendance or about, um, you know, like church culture, then I would say you probably have a misconceived idea of what this is all about. Hmm. And so maybe you gave your life to something that it wasn't, that wasn't real. Hmm. And so, you know, I would say one, evaluate what, what do you believe? Have you, have you really surrendered to Jesus as King? Because hmm. if he's King, then you're going to do what he told us to do. Sure. Right. Yeah. And then if, if the answer to that question is no, then do that now. Put your faith and trust in Christ. Mm. You know, make him the Lord of your life. Surrender in faith to Jesus as Lord. Yeah. If the answer to that question is yes, I've already done that. I know for uh, without any shadow of doubt that I've, I've made Jesus the king of my life. Mm -hmm. But I just haven't gotten to this point yet with discipleship because maybe no one's ever taught me or, or whatever. Right. Then my answer, my answer to you would be start seeking out what God's called you to do as far as evangelizing and understand that it's not as difficult as it may feel that it is. Because I think our, our view of evangelism has always been so programmatic. Like you get, we're going to do an evangelism trip or, or an outreach trip or whatever. We're going to go, we even do this now and I don't, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, it's just sometimes it's overwhelming. Like we're going to go to the out to the laundromat. We're going to talk sure. to random strangers and tell them about Jesus. Yeah. For the introvert, that is terrifying. Yeah. Right? Like <laughs> right. The, the idea of going to talk to random strangers about Jesus, about your faith, is terrifying. It doesn't always have to be that difficult, right? That's a good mm -hmm. thing to do, and we should be going out and doing stuff like that, and, and especially, especially people who are comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. But everybody has people in their life or should have people in their life that are lost. Yeah. Whether it's your neighbor that you've started to build a relationship with a family member that you know and right. you're being intentional about spending time with or a coworker. I mean, we should all have people in our life. And if you don't, that's a problem too. Like mm. if you don't have lost people in your life, that's a problem. That yeah. means that you're not seeking out those who you can save, right? Jesus right. came to seek and save the lost. That means he's looking for them. Yeah. We need to be looking for lost people. And so I would say, you know, get out there, look for lost people, figure out what avenue that is for you, and then just start building a relationship with people. Mm -hmm. Love people and then when the opportunity arises to start telling them about Jesus and what he's done for you and, and what he's done for the world. 
And then it doesn't end there. Yeah. It, it never ends with, okay, they got saved. Awesome. That's the, that's not the finish line. That's the starting line. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. After that, then comes the tough part of, of being real with that person and starting to help, uh, you know, point them into scripture and show them what spiritual disciplines are like reading mm-hmm. your Bible, spending time in prayer, show them what the word says about the sin in their life. And like this, you know, you're living together. You can't be living together. Scripture says, you don't, you know, that's not, if you're not married. Yeah. If you're not married. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, there's all these things that you have to be in, you know, you've already built the relationship. They've already professed Christ as Lord. Now you get to start showing them how to live and walk like a real believer. Mm-hmm. And and part of that is, is making more disciples. So eventually the goal is that they start <laughs> making disciples. Yeah. Right. And then the people that, they, and then it just explodes. That's how it did in the early church. And that's how it should be here. It, it's always interesting for me to evaluate where people are. Because Jesus gave us one task. Yeah. I mean, literally. If you read all the Gospels and you read through Acts, what Jesus told Nicodemus, right? The Son of Man came to seek and save those who were mm-hmm. lost, right? God did not send His Son in the world to condemn the world, right? But that mm-hmm. people will be saved. And and then at the end, He's constantly reminding the disciples, right? That, yeah, I'm sending you out two by two. And then He before he ascends into heaven, he gives them the great commission in all four gospels and in acts. He says, go, right, go. And then, and then it seems like the one thing we struggle with is doing what Jesus told us to do. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, I don't know that we get it. Yeah. You know, I think, I think it very much has become about church attendance and morality. Like the, the Christian faith has become about church attendance and morality. And that's, that's like, Old Testament living right there. That's not. And that's our fault. Uh, you know, yeah. the church as a whole, church leaders in the past, it's their fault for saying, here's what this is all about and missing the mark. Yeah. Right? We've, well, and church leaders have made it all about the sermon. And, mm-hmm. and and I think we've bred this culture of church's entertainment. Yeah, we've oh, created yeah. that. Right. And, and I think it's a pride thing. I think it's because if I spend two days, three days working on a sermon. And I'm like, man, it's a good sermon. People need to hear this sermon, right? People's yeah. lives are going to be changed by this word that I put together. It's so good. It's so good. Right. Yeah. It's all about me. And, and then of course I'm going to be like, man, you got to be here Sunday to hear my sermon, be here Sunday to hear my, you know, just pounding that message. And I get it. Like I get, you spend a lot of time working on a sermon. You do want people, I want people to hear, hear if I prepare a sermon, I want sure. people to be here to hear it. Of course, because <laughs> yeah. I've spent all the time working on it, but it's not about me. Mm-hmm. It can't be about me because it's not not worthy of if it's about me, right? right? And so I, I think that that's part of it is that we've made it about Sunday because, mm. you know, pastors for decades now have been all about preaching on Sundays, and then it's about they they've made it about themselves ultimately. Yeah. I feel like, and it's not always the heart of it. I'd, I'm not accusing all pastors who say be here on Sunday that it's about that they're right. it's about them. Of course yeah. not, but I do think that there's some of that. And even like the worship culture, like, you know, mm. building this big concert thing oh, because yeah. you want people to think that you're awesome. And, mm-hmm. and and it's just, it shouldn't be about that. It should be about the mission of making and maturing disciples. And mm. and there's power in that. If, if it's about the sermon and it's about the music and it's about the service, mm. then, of course, the product of that is marginal attendance. Of course, yeah. the product of that is... Christians who are people who profess to be Christians, but they're not genuine because 
they've not they've been duped into signing up for something they didn't realize that they were signing up for right mm-hmm. they to them they were signing up to be moral and church attenders right and that's not what this is about yeah yeah even paul when you read paul's writings and you know i think i said it a couple of weeks ago how when when he said you know believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that was like a death sentence and people understood the severity and the depth of what they were doing because there was other people who thought that's what they wanted but then he said later they left because the world was too enticing Mm -hmm. right they knew and understood that that you can't live like this so-called i'm going to be a christian but i'm still going to do what i want Mm -hmm. there's this line drawn and people were leaving paul right he says to timothy so-and-so has left me so-and-so has left me Mm they've left the faith why? Because they knew they couldn't live halfway being a Christian and halfway being in the world because that's not at all what it was. Right. And so um, it's very exciting to see what God wants us to do, what Jesus left us to do, and then actually being able to do that. Like you said, we've been seeing some of that here. Mm-hmm. You know, we we're really trending up with that and this mm-hmm. whole coronavirus thing kind of put all that to a halt. But, you know, God is in control. He knows what he's doing. And um, I'm really excited that we're going to continue on through the book of Acts. Yeah, uh, because it's a good book. that's all that there is there. Mm-hmm. You see these these 12 guys, actually it's like 100 of them, 120. But really, that, that's not a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And they light the world on fire. I mean, the, there's even a, a, the Pharisees say they're, they're turning the world upside down because they didn't know what to do. It was spreading so fast and so wild. And, uh, and it was the power of the Holy Spirit that did it. And, and I'm convinced that, you know, we can have a group of 200 here and really 12 real serious disciple makers, and mm-hmm. we could blow up Mid-County and turn the world around. Easy. I yeah. mean, 12 did it. Yeah. And that's why we're here today. Yeah, that's right? exactly right. Yeah, that's why the world was changed. Yeah. Uh, and so very exciting to see what's coming up next. Um, and, you know, at first, I think with all this outside church and trying to figure things out, we were kind of a little disappointed. Wouldn't you agree that, oh, 100%. that man, you know, we were really doing some good things. And but uh, but I think I've settled into like, you know what? God's going to do great things <laughs> regardless. It gives us time to kind of like step away from all the outside noise. Mm hmm of church culture and church world and just kind of focus on what God's calls us to do. Like Mm -hmm. be the church. We get to preach the gospel every Sunday and Wednesdays when we're doing our Bible studies. I mean, we get to kind of focus on that and focus on, on the mission that God's called us to to do. Even in the midst of social distancing, we can still have conversations with our neighbors and yeah, we can do it all uh, Tim, Tim Allen style over the fence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Any whole neighbor. <laughs> Just don't show your face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, I'm excited about that. And like I said, you know, when all this is over, I think we're going to have a better understanding of what priorities really are. 100%. Because it's it's helping people be introspective and saying, man, what do I do with my time? Yep. What, what, what have I done with all this time? And maybe, hopefully, we can turn that time around into I need to be a disciple maker. Right. Hopefully yep. right now we're reading our Bibles more and we're doing a lot more Bible studies since there's nothing else to do. We've already watched all of Netflix. Might yeah, and you well. can watch like every pastor in the area too on, on, <laughs> yeah, on Facebook. Yeah, podcasts, whatever. 
but anyways, all right. Well, that's all we have uh, for this podcast, and we hope you tune in every week. Uh, we want to see you on Sunday, obviously not just to be a Sunday people, but uh, be out here to, gather. to yeah. gather together in parking lot church. We love seeing everybody's faces. It's really the one time that we're able to do it. Uh, but uh, we will see you on Sunday. Thank you so much for listening today. And we always welcome you to join us at Fellowship Baptist Church in Nederland, Texas, where we gather, grow, give, and go.